0: Welcome to the Team GB podcast, the moments that made me in association with the University of Hull. It's officially our fifth podcast, and that means that if you've listened to one, two, three, and four so far, you are a regular listener, and if so, welcome back. But if it's your first time joining us, it's great to have you on board, and if you're somewhere in between, that's okay by me. Now, every episode, we speak to truly fascinating GB Olympians or Olympic hopefuls to find out about the three moments that have ultimately made them the people and indeed the athletes that they are today. Thank you by the way to all of you that have commented online or left feedback it's so so cool to actually hear from the people that listen to this podcast series that i'm very excited about and by the way if you do like the show please rate review and subscribe it helps us massively do that wherever you get your podcasts from so as i say this is episode five so you may have already heard from becky nelly downey becky adlington pete reed ed clancy but today's guest is maddie Hinch, the penalty shootout hero of 2016, the three times hockey goalkeeper of the year. Now, Maddie really focuses on her moments from the early part of her career the first time she put on her pads, her first big selection disappointment, and ultimately her GB debut, which began an incredible career leading to that Olympic gold in Rio. What I was really taken with is Maddie's brain and her approach to performance. It really is something that I've learned from, so I hope you all gain from it too. Enjoy. Well, I'm genuinely delighted to be joined by the European champion and the reigning Rio 2016 hockey gold medalist, Maddie Hinch. How are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
0: Yeah, very, very well. How's lockdown treating you?
1: Yeah, do you know what? I'm I'm actually quite enjoying it. Train, crack on with things, you know, get involved with housework, walk my dog more often than not. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just really appreciating having that time. I think that's that's what I'm enjoying the most.
0: Have you had a chance to kind of reflect on your career?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, if I, I always say to people, if you were to ask me where I'd be now, I would, I would not believe them. Like, it has gone above and beyond anything I ever imagined. Um, it's certainly not over yet. I still got a little bit left in the tank. Um, but it's been a hell of a journey, really, like r- a real rollercoaster ride. So uh, very grateful to have those experiences, that's for sure.
0: Well, we're going to parenthesize that roller coaster ride into five succinct questions to find out how well you know Maddie Hinch. Are you up for it?
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, let's go.
0: (laughs) Okay, I think you're going to do all right. Question number one, how many international caps for both Great Britain and England do you currently have?
1: You know, I definitely know the answer to this because I really hope I get one more. So it's 149. Um, and really hoping we can get out of this lockdown so I can try and go get my
0: 150. <laughs> Question number two, so one of one so far. What year did you make your England debut?
1: England debut is
0: 2008. Bang on, yes. It's, this is a very sport-specific one, so I hope you're up to date on your strength and conditioning. How many Instagram followers do you have to the nearest 100? 50,000 point. Oh, God. Seven. Oh, you, know you know what? I'm gonna give it is 0.8 Is it? The uh. 100, you're within a hundred. You're within a hundred. That's fine. Yeah. Um, question four: How many penalties did you save in the Rio final? Okay, let me think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, four. Yeah. Four. Correct. And finally, do you remember how many goals you conceded throughout Rio 2016?
1: Oh my goodness, you've thrown a spanner in there. I actually don't know the answer to that. Um. If I had to guess, I would say seven or eight.
0: If you had to pull the trigger on one, what would it be? Seven? Eight. Oh, sorry. <laughs>
1: it was like 50.7 or the 50.8. damn it. Okay, eight. I obviously forgot that number eight.
0: <laughs> Out of interest, do you ever look back, do you look back more at the things you've done really well at or things that perhaps haven't quite gone your way?
1: Um, more often than not, I look back at the, the goals to be honest um and the bits that go wrong I think the thing with Rio I haven't it's just such a like a positive memory the part of me doesn't really want to see what went wrong and um, so I haven't really looked back into that in detail because obviously the final just dominated uh that memory so much but in normal day-to-day for me I, I absolutely I reflect more on the things that go wrong uh because for me when it goes wrong you have a chance to learn a little bit more so that's why I do it
0: the reason I'm really fascinated to talk to you is to find out about the moments that have made you who you are and have got you where you've got to. Yeah. And so, with that in mind, what's your very first moment that you feel made Maddie Hinch?
1: Um, okay, so for me, I think I remember so vividly the day that I got put in the pads. And I say put in the pads because it was very much kind of a forceful uh, encouragement from my new school. I'd actually joined the school in the summer term, so I was really the new kid. Um, and obviously hockey popped up and it was like, oh Maddie, um, you were really great in rounders. We reckon you'll suit the role of a goalkeeper perfectly. I reckon, I still think it was purely because I was the new kid and back then no one wanted to be the goalie. Um, so it's like, oh, you can do it. Anyways, so I handed this ginormous bag that did not smell great at all. And I'm <laughs> taking on all this kit um, and I'm like waddling out the changer and I just remember like, "Oh." my schoolmates like starting to laugh at me and be like oh you got that funny position and I was like oh great <laughs> so then waddling out to the pitch and bearing in mind I used to be like a little footballer and I was like in the midfield and I I wanted to be like in the thick of the action so for me this seemed like way so far away from what I normally like Anyway, so I agreed to give it a go and um yeah I haven't looked back I just I just found it like Just such a unique position. And I think what I've really enjoyed is how you can have such a major role either way. So it's kind of that life on the edge position that I enjoy so much. And you have to learn to enjoy it because it is brutal at times but you can literally one action, like change the momentum of a game or, um, and I just don't think you can replicate that save, big save moment in any other position. And I think it's that that I agree to love. So I just, yeah, from from the day I put the pads on, I think it just felt like a second skin to me. And that's why that first memory um, sticks with me so well, because obviously it's such an important one and I haven't obviously looked back
0: since. How do you feel now when you put pads on? Because I imagine if you're a boxer, let's say you put gloves on, there's yeah. an element of it might be different if it's an actual fight versus training. But how do you actually feel? Because there's an element of it being quite gladiatorial in that you are mm-hmm. in the danger area. It is actually high risk what you do, but yet yeah. you're a part of a team and it's ultimately a game.
1: Part of me also is being honest. I always say to people, God, I can't wait to retire and burn this bag. Like <laughs> it like it's like, Maybe not the retiring bit, but the burning bag bit is definitely true. Um, so it's just, it is an annoying amount of kit. But like I said before, it's such a unique position and I think it is it is odd. It is a bit of an odd position. I think people always say the goal has got to be a little bit odd. Am I a little bit odd? I think I like to do things a little bit differently and I think that's what suits the role and I think, you know, who chooses to stand and get balls smashed at them uh, for a living? me um so you know you've got to learn to enjoy and i think every time i put my kit on it's just another chance to kind of get that feeling that i kind of strive for every day those like big save moments um and they are so rare that i still to this day i don't know how many times i put the kit on that'd be quite an interesting fact we always talk about it as a goalie group do you reckon this is like our one millionth time <laughs> the on? um, but uh you know every time is great and and i i enjoy it when i'm in the past but to say I rock up every day and look forward to that would be me lying. Like it's, it just doesn't exist. Like as an athlete, you always have times where you just like, you know, especially in the, the, towards the end of your career when you have done it so many times. Um, but I love the position, I love playing. I've had times in my career when I've had to step back. I had a recent break um, yes. and I had to uh, kind of reassess why I was doing it because I got, I got a bit tired and kind of lost my way. Um, And straight away after a bit of time off, you know, I just missed it. I missed that excitement. I missed the pressure. um, And yeah, now putting my kit on every day is certainly uh, not a chore for me, that's for sure.
0: That kind of brings us on to the second moment that made you, which is actually quite a difficult one.
1: We'd been out in Germany we We're a few months away from the Junior World Cup, which is essentially the pinnacle of, a, uh, of your junior career. It's the one you want to play in and you almost feel you have to play in to then be considered for the seniors. Um, and we went over to Germany and we played a few test games and I had a shocking weekend, like really poor, like just did not play well at all, out of nowhere. I felt like I was doing all right at the time, but it just so happened as everyone had a, a couple of bad days. Anyways, we get back to the UK and I get a phone call the next morning from my coach. Uh, and he's, he says, Mads, like, we're not going to carry on with you. We're not going to take you forward for the, for the rest of this year. Um, and, it, you know, you have seem to have lost a bit of form at the worst time. And so now I need to make sure I've got a number two that I can rely on a little bit more. And it was literally as cutthroat as that. And, I, and I, it hits me so hard and it sticks with me so much as a memory because of how it is the reality of what we do. Um, you know the elite sport is a cutthroat world the best make it uh, if you're not quite there you don't um, and I think that moment in time for me was where I had to decide okay like how much do I want this um, it, you know I I was basically left in that grey area of okay I'm now out of the 21s um, and I'm not invited to the seniors I wasn't given a contract after that uh, I was just at for training playing club like okay so am I ever going to be a senior international athlete? And right. That's why it stuck with me so much because I decided, okay, right, I, I still feel I can offer something to this game and I still feel like I can grow as a keeper. I just need to be in the mix for longer. Uh, so I chose to move to Leicester and get myself in the mix with uh, some of the current internationals at that time. And, and, of course, people talk. So I was playing well for them. And, and the girls were saying to Danny down at Bisham, you need to have a look at our youngster in goal. She was playing well. And, and before I knew it, I had a call. And that's kind of how... Like for me, my career's been, it's dropped, but kept knocking, Dropped, but kept knocking. Um, and yeah, I'm so glad I didn't just like, give up essentially.
0: So when you got that call, do you remember where you were?
1: Yeah, absolutely, I, I was in Somerset at my my parents' home. I was in my bedroom. I literally can remember I was, I can remember the call. I can remember how I was. I was I sat in my bed and it just caught me so off guard. So yeah, I remember where I was. I was absolutely distraught. My my family have always been there when, when those phone calls have come in. Um, and yeah, just cried my eyes out and was basically to my mom, like, am I ever going to make it? Like, is this how it's always going to go? Um, and yeah, it's it, like, it's, it's not a particularly nice memory, but a, a really important one, I think. And I think when it gets tough, it's always a good one to reflect on.
0: And what is it about you that perseveres on? Because the reason I was kind of pressing where you were, what your situation is, I think a lot of the time when it comes to, especially athletes, we hear about the hard times, but they generally get glossed over and you know that it all comes good in the end. And we know it all comes good in the end for you because of Rio. But at that point there, when you're feeling desperate, when you think your hand, your life's in the hands of other people, you can't control Mm -hmm. that. You can't make the selectors' decision for them. Did you? consider quitting and what is it about you that thought no I'm gonna see this through
1: I guess I'm just really stubborn I think I I, am a stubborn person and I think I think I think what's really important and I guess for any athlete that kind of really makes it to the top is that element of self-belief and I guess despite the amount of kind of spanners that were thrown at me along my journey I always had this like and it's not an arrogance but it's a belief that I could achieve and that I was capable of doing that and I had something to offer and I I guess I never really doubted my abilities despite what everyone was telling me or you know you're too inconsistent and you're too short you're too small I had all that from the beginning you're never going to make it because you're not tall enough and big enough and all this um it for me that didn't matter because I always had this like inner drive that I was meant to do this and I kind of felt that the Hockey pitch was where I belonged. It sound, as cheesy as that sounds, that's literally how I felt. So it didn't matter what people kept saying to me or, or kept doing to try and throw me off my path. I was always going to be, hello, like, pay attention to me. I just need you to see what I have to offer. Um, and that's why I knew, like, okay, right, if I change what I'm doing here and get myself kind of noticed again then you never know like if i can get the head coach to to see what i offer he might like my style of goalkeeping he might see some potential in me going forward and and then i can learn because again it's about getting a good goalkeeper coach you know on board and and someone who sees your strengths so he sees that i'm dynamic sees that i'm quick yes that causes me to be a bit up and down but how do we get Maddy to now like balance that out really and and i just needed to get in the mix at bisham and be you know around the best coaches in the world uh, to find a to actually find my true potential and yeah so I guess the stubbornness of the more you kind of knock me down the stronger I got really and I, and like I say if I hadn't had that career or I just kept getting picked and it was all a bit easy would I be here now like with the career I've had no I don't think I would have because it's just made me way more resilient so yes I don't necessarily have the drops up and down at the minute touch wood but I, it's still tough out there like you still have so many knocks in so many different ways and that I have got, I reckon, a lot of resilience from, from my
0: junior kind of experiences really growing up. And it was as a result of that tenacity that the next moment that makes you comes in.
1: I was on trial, I finally got kind of uh, noticed uh, at at Leicester and and I remember the phone call, Maddy, Danny wants you to come down to Bisham for some trials and and see what you're about. And I was like, okay, great, like, right, I'm in. So um, I was on trial for about six months and what I was trying to do was get myself a contract. Um, Bearing in mind there was currently five goalies down there on contracts, like a lot.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: So, So it was a bit of a tough ask and Did I truly believe I could get one? I don't know. But for me, okay, I'm in the mix. I've got another chance to kind of get my name out there. Um, And yeah, trialing for six months, I was trialing really well, playing really well. Um, Like a little bit fearless, I guess, probably because I felt it was maybe too soon or I was too young looking at the other goalies. Like the number one was 11 years older than me. She'd been to Beijing, like it almost felt like too far. So I was probably playing with a really relaxed, not too much pressure and anyways, I remember it. we were at Bisham and um, we were playing Germany in a test series, a team full of stars that I'd watched at the Beijing Games. Um, and uh, I was kind of just sat in the meeting room thinking like that when they announced the team that I was just going to be on the side watching again. No worries. But like the team came up on the, on the board and my name was on the, the top. And I was like, eh? Like, that must be a typo <laughs> like that can't be right but anyways it was and it was like Danny got me up it's like Maddie this will be your Great Britain debut um all the best you've been training well just go out there and keep doing what you're doing and I was like like I don't particularly remember that the the feelings I had at that moment I don't remember being scared or like feeling I wasn't ready I, if anything that kind of that's probably why because I was so relaxed and um yeah, we went in, played, played Germany. I was massively under the pump. Like, we were, yeah, they were peppering our goal. So I was busy. And in some ways, that suits you. I think as a keeper, sometimes if you get a couple of early saves in, you can really get in the flow of the game. And I guess, like, the Germans being on top for that first half helped. And I was playing well. Um, I actually saw the clips for that, that game just the other day when we were putting a webinar together. And, my goodness, it still made me smile. Um, and, yeah, we ended up winning the game 3-2. Um, I had a huge role to play uh, and uh, it wasn't too long after that 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 game earned me a contract but I remember the moment I drove out of Bisham Abbey I can see it now I'm driving out of Bisham Abbey the gate the bar's going up and I was just smiling so much because I think I knew that one I'd proved to myself that I could compete at this level that was that was a huge tick but I knew I'd proven to everyone else around me that I'm ready to be taken seriously and that for me was yeah the moment that I knew I really belonged here and that this was kind of what I was going to do and I knew I'd done enough to get a contract yeah it wasn't too long after that that I that I did and and yeah that was that's why that's such a big memory
0: for me. In terms of the selection for 2012 that's presumably the dream a home olympics yes but it it doesn't quite happen for you why was that? Mm.
1: Um, so when I got, as I said to you before with the five goalkeepers, when we came in, so I came in as number six So now I'm number six in 2010, not too long away from London. So right. nothing really. Um, and certainly not a lot of time as a goalkeeper to gain experience, but before I knew it, it was 2000. Yeah. We're in 2012 and I'm now like third, I'm, I'm like literally within the top three. Um, and so it was, I had a shot. So Again, playing well, kind of growing all the time, really kind of finding my feet on the international stage, but very inexperienced as a keeper, very inexperienced, still very raw. Um, And again, it's hard to get pitch time. So, you know, they're preparing their number one to go play at that game. They're trying to work out their number two. There's so many of us, everyone's trying to get pitch time. So I had about four or five caps in total at this point. Um, But I was in the mix and I knew I was playing well and I felt like I was playing well enough to to earn that reserve uh, the second spot under Beth um there was a good chance that Beth was going to step aside afterwards and there was a good chance that I was going to come in after and be the number one so for me it felt like just fitting that that was how it was going to go but I was again just so naive because at the end of the day if I'd been the number two and Beth had got injured like thankfully that didn't happen but if she'd got injured or, or for whatever reason couldn't play and it was me stepping in was I ready no I was not My goodness. So I didn't get the nod. I ended up being the third choice. The email that came through that morning again, it was very similar to that World Cup experience that just pure devastation. Like I thought I had it. Um, I thought I'd done enough to have it. Everyone kept saying I was playing well and doing well. I hadn't really had any negative feedback. So for me, it just felt like, well, okay. well, then surely that will earn me some rewards. But again, it's elite sport's not like that. There's just more to it. And at the time, I couldn't see that. I was, again, why? like, why? I've done everything. I've ticked every box. You're telling me I'm stopping the ball. I am stopping the ball, so why, why am I not there? Um, but now, as a more experienced athlete and looking back, I totally get it. Like, I was – it would have been way too much. Like, that was a hell of an event. Like, the crowds were ginormous. I was in, in the crowd for every game, and I remember looking around thinking – could I have handled this at 24 years old with four caps to my name? No, I couldn't. And them not picking me was, a, again, a, a tough move for them. I know how hard it is when they drop athletes, but completely the right one. Um, because throwing someone in too early and too soon can can really like hinder an athlete's future career. And again, it was another kind of setback that made me want it more. Um, so yeah immediately after that the number one shirt all of a sudden became available for the first time in a long time and i was like right there's no way anyone else is getting this
0: does it make it difficult for yourself having your performance assessed partly on the performance of other people if there's a defensive error that Mm. could result in a goal but ultimately on your record it says you conceded a goal
1: yeah yeah it's goalkeeping isn't it it's tough um, I think every goalkeeper will take any goal personally and think they should have stopped it. I certainly do. But you have to—if you do that too much, it will only like grind away at you. So it's always trying to remember that you are part of a team. And, and sometimes, when I don't touch the ball, I can be like, oh, I, don't, well, I didn't actually contribute to that game. But people are quickly reminding you know maybe you actually helped organise the defence so much that that the ball didn't get to you. Because ideally, if a goalie just stands there doing nothing, then your team's doing pretty well, probably. If your goal is getting peppered, then we need to talk <laughs> about what's going on. Um, so, yeah, it is it is a massive team effort. You can't have a great goalkeeper without a great team, I don't feel. Like, you literally can't do it on your own. You, you got Your backline line needs to know every sort of action that I'm likely to make at any sort of given time so that you work together to make those kind of shots at angles that are only going to help me. People know what sort of... Um, language i need to use at certain moments uh to to get the best out of that situation like there's so much detail that i think people from the outside can't see and you can just see goal um but in the moment even unless you see it through our eyes and maybe what happened in the build up um then you can understand it a little bit more it's like when someone it's like when a goalkeeper gets megged everyone's like oh like <laughs> what are you doing it's like do you know how hard it is to <laughs> <laughs> stop a shot straight down the middle It's really hard um, so yeah i think it's, that's the real life of a goalkeeper isn't it it's brutal but for every one of those moments when the day you make a save that like literally wins a game or changes the momentum of a game then yeah
0: it's worth all the, all the rubbish stuff that's for sure if I'm playing in defence and you're in goal I'm hearing you now and you're measured you're calm you're relaxed you're affable you're pleasant what would you be like if I was playing defence and perhaps I wasn't performing as you would have liked <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I know. If any of my teammates listen to this, I'm like, no, you're not like that. Like, I'm quite harsh. I think I'm quite tough. I'm quite, I, and I think that's come with experience. I think as a younger keeper, I probably was like pretty quiet. Um, you know, my difference now in comparison to like Rio, uh, the role I have is very different. Like my backline in front of me was Krista Cullen, Kate Walsh. Like the amount of caps they had, right. to me, I just saw it as. Yeah, I, I would organize them and I'd tell them where attackers were and, and I'd give that sort of instruction and set things up. But I don't think, like, I just trusted that they kind of knew what they were doing. Whereas now, like I've got a very young line, back line in front of me. So my role is kind of very different. Um, but I think if, a and that's what I've had to learn, I guess, is, is also to, I can't just be like, what the hell was that? Like, what are you doing? Like, it's all part of the learning. And it's that fine balance between an athlete recognizing that that's just not good enough to they need to now, instead of me just berating them, learn something from that. And I think that's right. just a role you come into as a leader, that you're know you, you you're teaching them what you know, um, and you're only trying to help them get better, because if they get better, I get better. That's essentially it, and we all get better as a team. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm tough, and in the, I am fiery, definitely a fiery person. Um, and I think, you know, I used to do the, uh, the thing called the Maddie Paddy, that was uh, <laughs> a pretty well-known uh, thing. Um, you know, God, I used to break sticks and stuff on post. Like, I was the right nightmare. Like Any goal, it doesn't matter if they smash it in the top corner. I was like, can't show any sense of weakness, really, to the opposition. Like, we've, we've got on top of her or we're in her head or whatever. It's like, I've got, to, I've got to give off a sense of calmness to the guys. Like, you know what, guys, they've scored. Yeah, it's okay. We'll regroup. But at the same time, you've got a part of me inside that's like, God i 'm so furious that they 've scored, but like that 's calm it, so I have my processes. I have my go behind the goal, pick up my water bottle, drink, and as i throw that down that 's me throwing away as I step back over the line that 's me resetting and joining back in with the girls and the team. so these are the things you sort of learn uh, to manage that and to, uh, to to make sure that you are in the right sort of headspace and, and consistently throughout a game, what, no matter what that game is throwing at you. I've been in eight nil losses quite recently and it's just, it just is what it is. Like sometimes it just doesn't go okay. well and, and yeah, and sometimes it does.
0: When you talk about moments that make you, I think it's safe to say that winning an Olympic gold medal would be one of them. Yeah. But I, I'd love to find out what we don't know about that experience and what we don't know about what it took to get there. Because I think certain things are, qu- are quite well documented, but I'm sure you sit there and think, yeah, if only people knew about this, they don't know anything
1: i think I think a lot of people still don't really understand the journey I've, I've dipped into it a little bit at the time, but that medal that gold medal reflected just so much more than that that two three weeks that we were there. it was literally part of, and for me, it was part of a much shorter experience than my my captain kate and helen and those guys that you know not qualified for games in the past um they look at that medal and they see the heartbreak in those moments they look at that medal they see the european goal just the just the year before like those real key parts of their career they look at that gold medal and they see the sessions where we're crying because we're so tired and coaches are shouting at us and we're having to like run off to the side and and people can't you know people are ill from how hard they're being pushed like those real dark days that's what that medal reflects um, and I think that, I think people didn't quite realise that it was just two years before then that we were at the bottom of a World Cup. Like, how does that team, wow. two years later, win a European gold and an Olympic gold? Like, that's the journey. That's the, that's the unknown side. I think that it almost the gold medal overshadows a little bit the, the real dark moments. And, and like I said, if we hadn't gone through that experience at the World Cup, would we have won gold? I don't know. I think that made us. I think it made us reassess. It made us have those incredibly difficult conversations with each other. It made us be honest to one another and and, and like say, guys, we got we got to we got to get on things sorted here." Like if we don't, we're going to find ourselves constantly in fifth, sixth places. Like who who wants to do this every day and and have that as as our lives? Like we are striving for gold. We're saying we do it. So how are we getting there? Um, and I think it is that that journey that I think people forget. Um, And it was A reflection of I guess How much of a team we were So for example Were we the best hockey team there? Were we the best hockey players? No Were we the best hockey team As a team as a whole? 100% It did not And that's what that final showed It did not matter What they kept throwing at us And they threw an awful lot at us We just got stronger And tighter as a unit As they got As that game got harder For the Dutchies Then yeah, statues, the Dutch. Um, they started getting a little bit more individual. They just didn't know how to come together and really kind of dig deep. Whereas we were like, right, find a way to win, find a way to win. That was from our training every single day at Bisham. Like, the the more they throw at us, the tighter we get. Everyone knew what action each player needed everyone knew in the moment if you look in their eyes okay this is what that person needs from me this was the detail that we went into at bishop we talked about if i'm on a bad day this is what you can say to help if i'm on a good day this is what you can say to help so that every single person had to a way to contribute no matter what day they were on and i think that's what a lot of people kind of miss it was such a team effort. It's very easy for them to say, oh, for example, me, oh, you saved so many goals. It was that like, you were a big part of that that performance. Okay, maybe, but at the same time, every single person on that pitch had a role to play and did something that contributed to that final result. And that was because it didn't matter if you came out on a bad day and you were like, oh God, I'm not playing too well here. You knew that, okay, that's, that's the situation, but this is how I still make an impact. Um, and uh, I guess that's, like that behind the scenes work is, is what I don't think people a lot of people know about and the detail we went into and, and how much we we looked at that stuff probably more than any other team there and that's what that's what paid off for us we we went into more detail than anyone else.
0: You know you stood there and it's penalties and I mentioned the word binary before it's either goal or it's save. Yeah. You you are recognised as being as a bare minimum, a crucial and integral part of that victory, but not at that point. You could be if it goes really well. You also mentioned about the processes that you go through. What's actually going through your head when that first penalty was about to be taken? And has it even begun then? Or is it actually as the player approaches the ball or as you get yourself into position?
1: Yeah, again, this is the detail, I think, that I wonder whether any other team went into it. Maybe they did, but we were so ready from that moment. So as soon as the whistle went, it was like everyone knew their process. So for me, I knew that I was going to go get my bottle. People knew what to say to me in that moment. We talked about that. I don't want to hear this. I do want to hear this. I don't want to arm around the big, Like literally this sort of detail. So everyone could stay in their processes. Um, we talked about as a shootout group, what we want. Does anyone want to say to me if, if they, if they score or they don't score, same with the girls, do you want to, as you're walking up, do you want us to say, go on, go on, Alex? You want to hear that? Like, this is the detail we went into. We went into how long should we take to walk <laughs> to the, how long should I take to walk to the goal? Like, how long do I want them to wait? The opposition, same for the guys taking the penalties. We want the goalie to be in the goal and we want to take our time. Like, this is you're in control of that moment, so make it what suits you and is going to give you the best chance of scoring or for me saving the ball. Um, you know, little things like the guys on the ball about to take the penalty. Do you look at the goalkeeper? Do you not? Do you tap it? Do you not? Like, because sometimes I remember, like, I think it was Sophie would say, if I tapped it and then I like mistapped it, it was like, oh god, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mess it up because I'm nervous. So, so she chose. Actually, that's not for me. Whereas Helen was like, right, I go up, play with the ball a little bit. That gives me a little bit of swagger, and now I feel good. That helps. So for her, that was her process. Um, so the answer to your question is, we knew it in so much detail, like detail that probably people didn't even realize. It was very easy to see me in a notebook and think that was kind of, yeah, it. But I, yeah, my the moment the whistle went, my walk to the goal, change my stick, I get a different stick for shootouts, change my stick. The, the walk back to the girls, I didn't join the huddle bit as as a whole team as they were announcing who was taking the shootouts. I kind of kept myself to myself and and I was chilled. I don't know what it was. I think the game, it'd been a good game. Like I'd been really involved, so I felt really in the match. Whereas I think the Dutch goalkeeper hadn't had that many touches of the ball, so she probably didn't feel quite so in it however she did very well in the shootout as well but for me I, I'd done we'd done so many I'd done it so many times at Bisham that it was a bit like I'm ready like I'd done I, there was no more boxes I could have taken at that moment same for the guys taking them we'd done everything we could have done to give ourselves the best chance to win that shootout so there was no fear that's the difference whereas if you go into something a little bit unprepared you're a bit oh could I have done a bit more work there and I remember thinking to myself I can't remember what it was, but could you imagine if the Olympic final went to a shootout and I just hadn't done my homework, like, whew, that, would be, that would be hard to handle. And there we were, like, in the Olympic final. So I'd done so much homework on the, on the opposition. I knew who was going to take it. I knew what they were going to do. I don't particularly remember anything that I was thinking. I've seen footage of me. I look quite relaxed. I probably felt relaxed and I just felt ready. And that's a really nice headspace to be in as an athlete, if you just think, do you know what? I'm as prepared as I can be. Let's just give it a go like if we'd lost it we'd have lost it would I have had any regrets absolutely not because it was certainly not through lack of preparation
0: what's going to be really interesting is Tokyo's all changed you came into Rio and you were not expected to win I think it's safe to say yeah. now you're the defending Olympic champions yeah. but a lot has changed for the team
1: yeah
0: so does that mean a different approach for the entire team and I, and I guess a different role for yourself in terms of experience level now?
1: yeah this this is the challenge like i remember danny basically said it to us the next day and we were like oh God, danny like can we have like 24 hours to enjoy this he was like guys it's now winning after winning and he's right like that is a real tough place to be like it's quite it's not easy but it's a little bit easier to certainly be like quietly getting on behind like no one really paying attention because you don't think they're going to win or um and that's kind of where we're at we were what sixth, seventh in the world at the time we um we had done too great in the tournament just beforehand but that kind of allowed us to quietly get on with our business without much attention which probably helped now you go in as reigning olympic champions you basically have a target on your back everyone wants to beat you whether even we're playing at the olympics or at a test match the difference now is already noticeable like if you're the olympic champions people want to beat you more than ever um and this is the sort of discussion we've had to have as a team because we've got a lot of youngsters who are coming in You know, with that already on their shoulders, and that's tough because they've not had the processes to be understanding that yet. But at the same time, they are part of that now. So we've had to work out as a group how we enjoy, I guess, that that uh, unbelievable title that we get to carry at at this moment in time, like Olympic champions. uh, People would give their arm to say that for a day, like I'm a current Olympic champion, or I'm part of the current Olympic champion team. You cannot not Enjoy having that and I, and I guess at the, the very beginning, I think post Rio we probably handled that wrong, I'd say I think we I certainly did as an athlete i I felt I had to relive that that tournament all over again and and produce that final performance every single time I played, and I'd kind right. of gone out of my like my little space that i'm normally in where it's kind of just me and the ball like that's it and instead i was like i've got to stop the ball because so that's how people now deem it to be and, and there was mm. a lot more eyes it. it's the same from a team perspective like if we didn't win there was a lot more people with an opinion about it um and i think as a group we definitely will admit we've not handled it well at the beginning but i think it's those conversations as senior athletes to junior athletes that it's like guys we have to enjoy that we have this privilege to to be this the current Olympic champions right now, and, and part of that squad, and and enjoy the fact that people are challenging us more than ever. You know, put that into the way we play, put that into the way we carry ourselves. Like, like, like put your shoulders back. Yeah, we are. So you, we're going to be hard to beat, and we'll show you why. And I, and it it takes a bit of time to get there, definitely. Um, and I think that's how we have to approach Tokyo. We can't go in with a fear that like everyone wants to beat us. Great. Like, let's 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 accept that challenge and see how we get on. And 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 yeah what will be will be it is a different approach uh it is probably tougher but again it, be grateful for the fact that we have that and we could go and get it again and, and be excited about that possibility
0: what's really nice is when you were talking about rio i yeah. mentioned that you weren't describing the emotion you were describing the process yeah. whereas when you're talking about tokyo your eyes light up you're actually excited yeah. by the prospect to get back at it again
1: Hundred percent. Like, why would the oh competing in the Olympic Games alone without even the medals is just so special to be an Olympian and part of Team GB is just something that you, you, you never take for granted. So for me, like, it's always. I guess it goes back to me as a bit of a process person. It is a process for me right now. I wanna, I wanna get selected, um, and. I want to play well like i want to individually know that i've done everything i can to be best prepared to be there and and contribute to that team's performance um and then it's almost like it's almost like the goal of course is to defend our title and come home with a with another gold medal absolutely it's one game at a time like each game is 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 part of the process we tap that game then then we part that learn from it next one Rather than thinking already about the final, thinking about potentially yes. not being in, you can lose your way in your focus. It's one game at a time, and that was exactly the process that we had for Rio, and it was a, a great process to have. So that's the process we're now trying to implement into this group. Um, and so for me, it's the same as an individual athlete: want to get selected, want to play well, want to contribute, want to win the first game, get you know, you know things like that. So uh, yeah. It's kind of there. I'm excited. Um, but it, and now it's so far away. It feels so far away. So I'm having to yeah. like, Okay, the process, we've got to start again. What's the journey now between now and Tokyo? And how do I make sure that I do arrive excited and, and ready?
0: What's lovely is I knew when I spoke to you, I knew it would be amazing to find out about becoming an Olympic champion. But knowing that you took a while out of the sport, I was curious to know what your attitude to it is now. But yet you actually seem as enthused as you ever were.
1: Yeah, well, that's 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 why I did the break. Like, I, if you'd spoken to me, I guess post our home World Cup, I think it would have been a very different interview, and um, okay. I would have probably come across a little bit tired and maybe fed up, and and uh, felt like I was carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders a little bit. You know, you, that's the, I guess the hard part is when you've had a taste of the like the ultimate you want it all the time yes. and you can't understand why we're not in a final every time. And it's frustrating. And I'm like, why am I not always playing there? And you kind of, like I said, you, you, your bubble gets bigger and bigger. And the key as an athlete is to keep it as narrow as possible. And, and with success, comes more external factors that you have to kind of choose to say yes to or say no to or or to or to listen to like whose opinions really matter um, and things like that and in my first couple of years post real I definitely didn't get it right um, and I lost my way a little bit and with that I became unhappy and didn't enjoy playing anymore putting on the kit was becoming a chore like no one can play well if that's the sort of headspace you're in and I just knew I had to change something up um, so I chose to step step away, which is incredibly hard because then I'm handing the shirt for the first time. Right. I worked so hard to 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 have my, be mine at that stage, but I wouldn't have had it much longer if I just decided to hang around. I, I'm almost certain of that I was definitely on the heading in the wrong direction, and having that time to step away from the team and and from actually I'd moved to Holland, so I stepped away completely. Like didn't want to hear about what was going on. Didn't really watch any of the any of their games then made me I guess work out like I said before my why like why am I doing this why do I want to do this what's my goal um and what it took me some time to get there definitely but I suddenly just missed it like I miss playing you when you love what you do and again it sounds quite cheesy and people hear it all the time but if you can Remember that you're doing it because you love the game and you love the sport. And that's why, as a 13-year-old kid, I put the pads on and and have done ever since. Then um, then you play with a smile on your face and, and you can enjoy what you're doing. I think that's easier said than done. So I've had to learn now. Those factors are still there and there's still the attention and there's still the pressure. But how do I be aware of it but park it and, and get myself back in a headspace that every day I can be like... I love to play this game um, and, there's a, and that's why I'm here and that's why I'm going to training every day and that's why I get in the gym and horrible walk-bike sessions because I love it and I want to be on the pitch as much as I can and, and that's why.
0: My final question I suppose would be about sacrifices because yeah. making a decision to totally focus yourself on one endeavour mm-hmm. I imagine takes its toll on family, friends, relationships, things yeah. of that nature. It,
1: yeah.
0: Is that something you feel that you, you've had to make?
1: I, I really don't like the word sacrifice because I generally think it's just a choice that I've made. Um, all the choices that I've made, I don't regret any of them, even the ones that I got wrong. Like in that moment, I, I, you've got to trust what you believe is right. Um, yes, there are things I've missed out on for a long, long time. And the stuff that when I hang up the pads, I look forward to be able to invest in time in. But my goodness, what we do for a living is just so I'm so lucky to do this for a living. Um, and you've got it on the days where I'm like, Oh, I quickly try and bring myself back to like how lucky I am. And also how short a life this is. Like, it, right. you don't get to do this for very long. So yeah, the choices to not be able to go to people's weddings or parties or have like long relationships. It's, it's tough. You're out the country so much. Um, those choices, they're nothing like to have, to, to be able to say that and then have that gold medal, like, come on like that's worth every sacrifice uh, or choice that you make um so yeah I've asked that been asked that question quite a few times and it's a choice and every choice that I make I I do it because I feel it's right um and uh yeah enjoy enjoy being fortunate enough to get to play the game I love for a living every single day um and then we'll work out afterwards what to do
0: Maddie, I'm honestly genuinely blown away by it thank you so much (laughs) for your time the one thing I've taken away from this is not only you process driven but if I really wanted to get into your head I'd nick your water bottle and I think it might just get into (laughs) there yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's a precious item thank you very much it's been fun and all the very best of luck in Tokyo because if everyone is half as excited as you are in the team then I think we've got destined for great things once again
1: thank you very much yeah it's going to be a great journey we're looking forward to it
0: and once again an olympian has absolutely blown me away maddie has an unrelenting commitment she doesn't even see sacrifice as such but i suppose for me it's her approach to process that impresses me most and it's that approach that's resulted in olympic heroism it's I suppose a journey which nearly didn't even happen at all, and I'm sure it will not be the last feat of excellence that we see from her. What an Olympian. Well, make sure you join us next week on The Moments That Made Me in association with the University of Hull for another three moments. And this one, by the way, comes from a man who produced possibly the most heartbreaking interview I've ever heard in my entire life. He was one second away from gold in the taekwondo in rio 2016 his name is latelo mohammed he is charismatic he is enigmatic and it's a story you won't want to miss